You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 305. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. It's a new year and a new decade. Uh, it will be full of new adventures and new battles. Because my friend, this world is not our home. We have an enemy, not to mention a sinful nature. And we live in a world full of other fallible people whose choices impact our journey as ours impact theirs. The hope in the midst of all of this is that we serve a God who is not only the declared victor in the end, but does not leave our side and stands ready to fight our battles on our behalf. Now, Riley Clemens' song, Fighting for Me, reminds me um, of our need for a victorious Savior. We shouldn't try to do this on our own and leads me to a fascinating section of the Old Testament where God did just this. He fought the battle on behalf of his people. So before we dive in, let's take a moment to listen to the chorus. Did you know that there are several examples in scripture of where God fights the battle and the people just had to stand by and watch? It's an example of one way God acts, but it is definitely descriptive, not prescriptive. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a description or a retelling of a story is considered descriptive, descriptive. It is describing something that actually happened, but does not specifically mean it is a promise for how it will happen for you. Now, prescriptive elements in scripture prescribe or give a formula or a promise. If you do this, then this will happen. And I know it can be a little tricky to determine which is which because there are descriptions of God's character that are prescriptive, meaning God will not change his character depending upon the circumstances, but it doesn't necessarily prescribe his actions. He is God. After all, he can do as he pleases, as he so clearly states in scripture. And we don't fully understand all that he pleases because our ways are not his ways because we're not God. So where can you see this going awry? Well, primarily when you take scripture out of context. Now, I've heard godly men and women stand on a stage and say things like, God promises you a new year full of prosperity when you obey him. Now, why would they think that? Well, because God promises his people prosperity when they obey him. Just read the first part of Deuteronomy chapter 28, for example. But why is God... Why is declaring God's promises to the Israelites over our new year a bad thing? Well, because there are other verses, like the one in John 16, 33, the one that's in red, meaning that Jesus said it. And he said, 
I've said these things to you that in me you have peace, because in the world you'll have trouble, tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So what does that say? Well, it says we can have peace in Christ in the midst of tribulation, but not a tribulation-free life. Uh, The pastor I listened to this morning even said, God gets to define prosperity. So we automatically, especially in Western culture, think prosperity is automatically wealth. Uh, and, And I love that statement. God gets to define what prosperity means for you in your life. Now, does this mean that you shouldn't obey? By no means. Does it mean that your blessings are not from God or that your righteous living has no bearing on the prosperity of your life? No way. I just want to encourage you to take to heart all of Scripture. And specifically, I'm encouraging you to be aware of when Scripture is describing versus when it's prescribing. And if you're not sure, ask a godly mentor or pastor to help you clarify. And don't be discouraged. Descriptive is amazing because it describes how God has acted in the past and may act again on your behalf. I want to give you one final personal example, and this is of my grandfather. To to make a long story short, he was dying of cancer. He was losing more blood than they could pump into him. He was in the hospital. He had prayed and he had believed, but he was ready to go home and die. So he signed out AMA against medical advice, and he went home. And he spit up a tablespoon of blood and then lived for almost another decade and a half because God healed him. Now, this is a description of what God did for him. Years later, he got a new cancer in a new place. And this time, God healed him again in heaven. You see, we could have broken down every element of the first healing and said, okay, God, if we get these people to pray and we say this and we do this and then we check out of the hospital against AMA on this day, then you will heal him in this way. But we've taken a description of God's intervention and applied it in a new day. And this time, that wasn't God's plan for the days he had numbered for my grandfather. So what am I getting at? Does God fight for you? I think after today's scripture study, you will see that he absolutely does. Are there things we can learn from this story in 2 Chronicles that we're getting ready to read? Absolutely. Just make sure that you don't claim something prescriptively that it was intended descriptively. All right. So what story was I inspired to explore when I heard Riley Clemens' song, Fighting for Me? Well, the story of Jehoshaphat found in 2 Chronicles 20. In fact, I think it can actually be summed up by verses 29 and 30 when it says, When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. All right, so for you to get the most out of this week's podcast, you're going to need to put in a little work for yourself. You're going to need to use the bites of reading in context as well as read and keep on reading and then remembering that the people we read about in God's word were real. But what are bites? Well, they're Bible interaction tool exercises. As you can see, even the three I just listed, they're pretty simple. I'm going to describe them a little bit further for you. Now, I remembered reading about the time when God fought for Jehoshaphat and for the people of Judah. So I found that story, you know, flipped around until I got to 2 Chronicles 20. Then I backed up to make sure that I read it in context, meaning I wanted to read that whole story um, from the beginning. And in this case, the entire story is actually encapsulated in chapter 20. Or is it? Because I read the beginning of the story and began to wonder what kind of king Jehoshaphat was. So here's the beginning of the story. 
um, chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meuites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. This was another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So, like I said, I began to wonder what would have led this king to seek the Lord first. I mean, if you've read the stories of the kings of the Old Testament, you might recognize that not every king sought the Lord. So to understand Jehoshaphat better, I backed up a little bit. In fact, I backed up to his beginning, and then I backed up to his dad's beginning, and then even a little bit before that. And then I just started reading, and I read and I kept on reading, and I got lost in the story, and I let myself get lost in the story. I highly recommend this practice from time to time. First of all, Not all scripture is written in a narrative that you can get lost in. Second of all, quit reading to see what's in it for you. Have you ever just read for the pleasure of reading and then got back into it and read again, honing in on the parts that you don't understand or the aspects of the story that jump out at you or letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through what you're reading? So if you follow these three bites this week, I just know that God will meet you in his word. You may learn something about the Lord you didn't really see before. You may see yourself reflected in the decisions that people make. And when I backed up and considered Jehoshaphat, I see that his father was faithful to the Lord at one point in his life, but his story didn't end well. In Second uh, Chronicles 17, it says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years and did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. Now, Jehoshaphat, by the way, was the king of Judah. So the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. There we go. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and Asherah poles from Judah. So again, in this description of Jehoshaphat, we see a list of why the Lord was with him. I mean, it says the Lord was with him because, okay, characteristics and then actions that displayed those characteristics. Um, For example, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years. See why I backed all the way up to read about Asa's early years and he did not worship the images of Baal. Uh, in fact, okay, let's let's stop right here and make a list. That is another bite, by the way. I love to make lists because it breaks down larger chunks of scripture into bullets that I can kind of see clearer or ponder further. Uh, so again, first bullet, I would say he followed his father's example. Uh, second bullet, then he he did not worship the images of Baal. He sought God is another one. He obeyed God's commands is another He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord, and he removed pagan shrines and Asherah poles. All right, so as you can see, there are internal and external displays of character. The one that jumped out at me, however, was the one where it says he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. 
And so then I have to ask myself, am I deeply committed to the ways of the Lord? I mean, deeply committed. Are you? This is a profound question, especially in the Western culture that I live in in the U.S. It is easy to be committed in a shallow way. It is easy to show up to church, raise your hand, sing a few songs, even listen to Christian music on the radio, um, maybe even pray before meals, have some external examples of a deep commitment without really actually having a deep commitment. But this example for us is a deep commitment that was followed by significant actions, removing, physically removing idols from the landscape of the land. All right, was what he was doing. Another significant thing this leader did was to be sure that the people knew the words of God. If you keep reading in chapter 17, you see this. It says, in the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. They took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through all the towns of Judah teaching the people. Okay, this is really important because it is the foundation of why the people responded to his leadership in chapter 20. You see, the people, when he called them to fast, you remember that at the very beginning? The people knew the word of God and the ways of God because Jehoshaphat had sent his officials and priests out into the towns to teach them. So when the crisis hits and the leader seeks the Lord and asks others to join him, they are primed and ready to do so. But it's not automatic, by the way. Later on in Second Chronicles, I read about King Jotham. And it says Joth- in chapter 27, Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done, except that Jotham did not sin by entering the temple of the Lord. But the people continued in their corrupt ways. So as you can see, just because the leader is leading by example, the people may not follow. But now in, in Second Chronicles uh, 20, the people follow because he had taught them the word of, he had sent out officials. I just think that that's key, um, that, that I've read this um, many, many times before and had never really seen it in that way. But if you read in Second Chronicles 18, before we end up in 20, because this is kind of where the battle is, that we really are inspired to read by the song. But then I got so caught up in the story of Jehoshaphat. But if we're in Second Chronicles 18, Jehoshaphat allies himself and his family with a wicked king of Israel. Now, it does not go well for the wicked king, and it was not a wise decision by Jehoshaphat. We know this because God sends a prophet to give him a message to say, God's pretty angry with you. Second Chronicles 19, when King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived home safely in Jerusalem after God saved him, Jehu, son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asked the king. Hmm. Because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you have committed yourself to seeking God. All right, so here we see those two two, um, things mentioned again, that the Lord's like, okay, um, I'm with you because you're showing me your commitment by seeking me, and you've, um, which is, I, I think, kind of an internal thing. And then the external example of that is that removing the the pagan and the idols from the land. So what can we learn from this? Well, because of the pattern of King Jehoshaphat's life was to seek God, even though he made a poor decision in this area of life, and even though God was angry with him, God did not abandon him. Now, um, 
You will see how this decision impacts his legacy or his family line further on down the road. Um, and I wish I wish we had time. To, the whole story is just so fascinating. I really hope you can get in the, into this um, section of scripture, even just these four, five, six, eight, ten chapters, and really kind of see um, and just really let it come alive to you. So this is a recap of the background that matters. When you begin to study the feature section of scripture that represents God fighting a battle on behalf of his people. So we have a faithful king, not a perfect one, obviously, that is dedicated to seeking after the Lord and has ensured that the people of his nation were taught the same. And now when we read that he was terrified at the gathering armies against him, it is not surprising that he follows the pattern of his life to seek the Lord. And it is not surprising that the people would come when called to fast and seek with him. And I think you will benefit um, from studying the prayer of Jehoshaphat in this chapter. We don't really have time on the podcast today. I do want to, this is kind of how the prayer ends in chapter in chapter 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Oh man, have I prayed that prayer before. And perhaps you are in that season of your life as well. Uh, however, May the challenge to your heart be to be deeply devoted to the ways of God. May that rise up higher than the inspiring example of this prayer. Do I want you to ask God and seek him when you don't know what to do? Do I want you to pray this prayer? Please stop them. This this battle is raging. I don't know what to do and I'm looking to you for help. Yes, but may it not be one of those um, like Instagram prayers that we pull out a verse and try to pray it and not have this be the pattern of our life. This is a reflection of the pattern of our of our deep devotion to the Lord. And uh, what was the Lord's response through a prophetic word to this prayer, the, the whole prayer, not just the 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 last verse that I read, but his response is this. Uh, he said, this is a prophet, right? A, a, the spirit of God came on a man in the audience as Jehoshaphat prayed. And this guy says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And what was the response of the king and his people? The king bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Now, do you remember what we read at the top of this episode? After the battle was fought by God himself, the surrounding nations feared him 
And that is what God wants. He wants glory for himself, not for you. We want him to fight our battles because we're terrified, like this king and his people. We want him to fight our battles because we want to be comfortable or because we want the victory. But you see, God wants the victory and the glory for the battles he fights for you. I love this verse in Proverbs. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So it reminds me that we may be vessels in the hands of God, like a horse being prepared for battle to prepare and fight in these battles. But the victory ultimately belongs to him. And that should be the desire of our heart as we live lives wholly devoted to him and his ways. So what's next? Well, we covered a great deal of ground today. To really soak in all that we discussed, you're going to have to go as far back as you're willing, at least I would say to King Asa in 2 Chronicles 14. Read all the way through Jehoshaphat's reign. If you're so inspired, uh, feel free to read and keep on reading, okay? Now, consider the pattern of King Jehoshaphat's life and how it directly impacted the results of his reign and his interactions with God. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneesat, Instagram at michellekneesat. My public page on Facebook is Michelle L. Nizat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Judith from Pennsylvania and Sarah from Texas. Welcome. Now, new subscribers uh, will benefit to, uh, in a few ways. Uh, first of all, you get a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. I hope that this will be a very useful tool as you get started. Uh, Subscribers will also benefit from an email I send only once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly Memoryverse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You also get an email recap of the week's episodes and instant access to any of the extra resources that I've created for my episodes. I do that from time to time. Uh, And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michelleneedsat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Well, this really does encourage me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through uh, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. Uh, You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Holy Water by We the Kingdom to lead us to scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. Just one click you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 305. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.